Hey guys, I'm Rianne Roussos and welcome to The Pop Podcast, where every week I sit down with Brittany Klein and we bring to you a conversation to help improve your points of performance when it comes to training. On this episode, what happens when things do not go to plan? We chat with CrossFit athlete Alison Scuds about dealing with tough calls and competition. This one's pretty close to home. I also share my recent experience in what was probably my most disappointing meet yet as a weightlifter. Okay, hi and welcome everybody to episode number two. How you doing, Britt? We made it past the first hump. I know. How's um the camper van life? So right now, because it's only an audio podcast, I'm going to paint a picture. I'm sitting in the back of our camper van, which is called the Mystery Machine. If anyone's seen Scooby-Doo, um, we picked up our camper van and they didn't have any of the camper vans we'd ordered. So we've driven around Canada in this like Scooby-Doo-esque vehicle and every now and then I'll be driving in the car and I'm like, why are people looking at us? So maybe I'll post a, vi- a photo on Instagram of what we've been driving in. But today's podcast is coming from Canada. Wow. Yeah, in the back of a, of a camper van. <laughs> I'm still in just Brisbane, Australia in my office, which is not very interesting at all. <laughs> but you've had a super busy week too. I have. I had a competition last weekend that um, did not go to plan, uh, but they don't always go to plan. So, yeah, I actually just ended up having a bit of – I don't know what happened to my back, but I had to handle that all this week. And yeah, it's just been a bit of an emotional roller coaster the last week, I think. We thought it might be good then to base this episode on what happens when things, I guess, in life, in training, in competition, when it doesn't go to plan. And we're actually lucky enough um, to have sat down with um, a friend of mine and quite a noticeable athlete in the CrossFit space, Alison Scuds. So um, pretty cool. We'll bring you that interview later. Mm. But, yeah, really wanted to chat with you, Riz, about the week that you've had. Uh, Let's go back. We ended the last episode chatting about your competition. Mm. Um, Yeah, tell us how it went, how – you know, what you were expecting. It was a weightlifting competition. Um, yeah, just take us through the ride, I guess. So I've actually been having like the most epic training. I've been feeling like up until my competition on the weekend, I honestly felt like I had overcome a really big mental hurdle. I was hitting numbers that I had always been really not confident with and I was hitting them all the time. I was feeling really... Mate. I felt like I was logging into Instagram and every day there was like a 80 kilo snatch, 81, 95 kilo clean and jerk. I'm like, what is she on? Mm. What is she taking? Um, But it was really cool to watch and um, to see that. Yeah. So I had, so I had been really super, super consistent and everything was, I just, I was like, I'm ready. Like I'm ready to do this competition. I feel really good. I didn't have to cut. I decided not to um, worry about making the 64 kilo weight class. Um, And I just lifted as a 71, but I mean, I weighed in at 65 kilos. So I was still extremely light, but I ate, you know, 3000 calories every day that week. I, you know, I did like 
I wasn't trying to be light. That was just what my weight was and I was feeling good and that was always the plan. The plan was just to never have to stress about cutting down to 64. And um, and just for our listeners who don't know, so you normally lift in the 64 kilo category yeah. and to go up to 71, was that just so you were like, no stress about cutting weight, just see what numbers I can do on the platform? Yeah, yeah. Basically, I just – I the – the aim is to lift as a 71 this whole year uh, just because I spent all of last year just kind of like on and off with my weight trying to make it's a, And it's, I only, I probably only ever sit at about 66 kilos, um, but to be training a hundred percent and then have to worry about losing two kilos. There's a lot of like stress and manipulation around like your diet and making sure you're sleeping enough and, you know, drinking enough and all of those things. So it was just uh, an added, um, I guess, element of stress that I just didn't want to worry about. And I just wanted to train a little bit heavier and then just lift a little bit heavier. And I can make the qualifying totals for nationals for a 71 um, I can on a good day, apparently. Um, but I, so I wasn't worried about not qualifying for nationals or anything like that. And I just wanted to kind of give my training a bit of a boost, not having to worry about all the nutritional stuff or cutting weight. So, um, I'll never, I don't think I'll ever get close to a full 71, not this year, at least anyway, but, um, yeah, that was the kind of plan. The plan was just to lift wherever I was at and train wherever I'm at and just feel good and do that. And this whole training cycle, it had been working. I felt amazing. I felt like I was absolutely crushing it. And I got to the competition on the day. I felt amazing for a hundred bucks. I had to like a lifter that lifted before me that I warmed up and he absolutely crushed his first competition. Liam, he absolutely crushed his first weightlifting comp. Legend. Nailed it. So excited for what he's going to do. And then I went in to do my lifting and I hit my first snatch at 73. I hit my second snatch at 77 and I had the closest miss at 80. So the last time I attempted 80 kilos on the platform, I basically pulled it to my hips and then just fell over. Um, I loved that video that you posted up mm. and it was it was like a big snatch pull. Mm. And then when you see the performance you put up on Saturday, it was like two different people. Yeah. So I like, I think in the back of my head after the attempt that I made last weekend, I've got 80 in the bag. I know I can do that next time. Um, and it felt so – it flew up. Like I was like – I couldn't believe it. I was sh- I was almost like – I was almost like shocked that I it happened so easily for me. Um, so I was so pumped about that. It was a very close miss. I lost it behind me, but like the progress and how easy that lift went up and how I got under it was like amazing. So I was really stoked to have such a close miss with 80, knowing that next time I do it, I'll be like a hundred percent confident. Um, and then I went and I was warming up out the back, warming up my clean and jerks out the back. Felt fine. Felt good. I felt awesome. I was like, no problems whatsoever. Um, I've ha- had like a little bit of like, uh, reoccurring like wrist pain, but nothing that was like wigging me out or anything like that. Um, I was out the back and I, the, the plan was always to, I've, I've never hit 91 on the platform ever. Um, 
So to go out and open on 91 was like a full send kind of effort for me, but I'd been so confident. I was like, I can do this. I was like a hundred percent. I can do this. I know I can do it. And, um, I was warming up out the back and I just mistimed my jerk on my last warm up, and I missed 88 out the back. And I was like, I wasn't even worried. I was like, normally that would like. So it wasn't a mental thing at that point. No, still. Normally I, that would send me into a fucking spiral. I would like, honestly, that would have probably crumbled me previously, but I was like, I'm not even worried. I know I can hit these numbers. I do them easily all the time. And I walked out and I was like, so I was like, fuck yeah, let's go. And I cleaned it and it felt like nothing. It felt like fucking 50% effort. And I even jerked it and it felt easy. It went up over my head easy. But when I received the bar, my elbow bent. So this is what you would be called, well, like what we call like a press out. Um, and it means it's a no lift. And I got red lights on that lift. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> and Could you feel it in the moment? You know how a lot of the times mm. um, judges in weightlifting can be very critical and which is why it's such an admired sport. Mm. Did you know that you'd pressed it out in that moment or did you see the red lights and you were like, oh. No, I knew. I knew. I knew. Yeah. I could feel my elbow. It felt like it wobbled and I was like, if they're going to be tough today, I'm not going to get that. And they were tough. So, you know, it. There's. it's always a catch-22 because you don't want to – you want to get away with it. You want to be like, oh, I hope they, like, give it to me. But then you also don't because if I didn't get it, I don't want it. Um, yeah, because then it, again, it's just like teaching bad habits and I don't want to have be allowed, like allowing myself to get away with things like that. And then basically I got red lighted on that and I was like, fuck in my head. And I started to panic because I had to follow myself. So I was a little bit nervous and I went out. What's the turnaround time usually if you have to follow yourself? Two minutes. You can play it out a little bit. Like you can, if you're going to change weights or something, like you can push it out or you can ask them to like sweep the platform or, you know, scrub the bar down. Like you can buy yourself time basically. But I also didn't want to fucking sit there and be stewing in the fact that I just missed a lift. Like I was, you know, and I was like, so we just sat there for like, you can, you got two minutes basically. And I sat there for a minute and he's like, the my friend that was warming me up, Fraser, he was like, do you want me to like buy you some time? And I was like, nah, fuck it. Like I'm not, I don't like, I, I'm fine. Like I'm fucking fine. I can lift that. And I went back out onto the platform, same thing, cleaned it very easily and then I just fucking missed the jerk altogether, just straight out in front, didn't get it, not even close. And I was freaking out. <laughs> this was a point where I was like, fuck, if I don't get this next one, I'm not going to put a total up. I'm, and I've never not totaled. So um, I was like, I came off and I was panicking and Fraser could see that I was panicking. So he bought me a little bit of time. But my uh, very good friend and she's currently training for the Commonwealth Games, Ebony, and she does all of my programming. She was warming up for her own clean and jerks and 
I don't know what happened. I don't know how she found out, but she found out and she comes out as I'm like sitting there panicking about this next lift. And she was just like, gave me a big fucking pep talk. And she was just like, come on, you've got this, like, you know, basically go out there and do it. And I went out, same thing, cleaned it like it was nothing. Jerked it, got it above my head and my fucking elbow bent again. So I got two red lights and one white light on that, which was uh, even like, it just is like, it just, all it would have taken is for like one judge, like to not be looking so intently. Oh, I would see, that's why I'd be such a bad judge. I'd be like, oh, she looks like she's got it. White light. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just, like you said, it's a catch 22. You want, that's why we love the sport because you're held to such a high standard. Mm. But sometimes uh, you just want to say. Just fucking give it to me. Yeah, just give it to me. <laughs> Come on, guys. You can see how stressful this is. So, yeah, basically, I know. And, again, like I'm not like fuck the judges. Like they're just doing their job. I, I had to judge a heat beforehand and the same thing happened. I've, I gave lights to people that I didn't want to give, you know, red lights to and stuff like that. But you just – that's what the sport is. So, yeah, I got yeah. – I got – another failed lift and I just was like I couldn't believe it I was like I can't believe that just happened to me like I was like shocked I was genuinely shocked because I just felt like it was not a representation of how well I had been training or how good I felt and because that's something that's never happened to me before I didn't I was like I don't even know what to do I don't even know what to do so I think, and the hardest part is as well, hearing that in detail from you, because mm-hmm. obviously we've spoken about this before, but how mentally good things were going until they weren't mm-hmm. like, I actually don't think that there's, you know, now you sit back and you're like, okay, what can I learn from this situation? But up until that point, when you missed the first clean and jerk, like you were on, mm-hmm. you were so on. And so I guess what's been the the debrief that I'm sure you've had over the last, like, what is it? Seven days now. Um, talk us through that emotional roller coaster. like straight after. What are you thinking? Um, I felt really bad. I felt like I had disappointed, you know, my friend who does all my programming and like I trained with her and I felt like, you know, she had taken that time out of her own warm up and come out and I just fucking didn't get it. I just didn't get it. I was like, I felt like a failure (laughs) and it's it's I the thing is like I'm rational enough to know that that's not true and no one would ever be like you're a fucking disappointment like you failed like you let me down no one's doing that like and no one is harder on me than myself like so it's but it's like I said to you I just I was it I just felt like it was not a representation of where I was And that was the most disappointing thing because I was so ready to perform and I was ready to like do my best and I just didn't even get the opportunity to. So, you know, like I wanted to, you know, push boundaries and my, my, you know, I wanted to finish on like a 96 kilo clean and jerk and I just, I didn't even, I didn't even get a fucking look in at it. So, you know, that was, it was just like, Afterwards, I just kind of sat there and I was like, 
don't cry, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. You know, you're just trying to hold your shit together and be like, I'm fine, it's cool, it's cool. I also had two of my friends lifting after me. So I I don't want to have my energy affect their, you know, not that it would ever would. They're fucking so good. They're such good lifters that they're not sitting there like, oh, my God, she's crying. Like no one gives a fuck, you know. (laughs) But I also wanted to be supportive for them. I didn't want to get caught up in my own fucking, you know, negative feelings. And I wanted to support my friend because my friend was going for A grade. So that was more important to me, I guess, in that moment. And then that was just probably what held me together a little bit. And then I got, after all of that, after the whole competition was over, I got my car and I think I just cried the whole way home. Which I don't, I don't, I've never done. Oh. I've never done. I'm not like a. Really? No, nah, never. And I think I, oh. I spoke to Jordan about this. She's like, have you ever cried? And I'm like, no, don't be stupid. That's fucking ridiculous. I'm not like, I was like, it's just lifting. But I wasn't crying because I, uh, I wasn't crying because the competition. It would be a mix of frustration though too. That was it. It was, I was so frustrated. I was just like. I just didn't get a chance to show where I was at and and it just didn't work out in my favor and you get popped for technical errors and there's like there's nothing you can do about it except just go back and focus in your training on never letting that ever happen again <laughs> but it's yeah. it's something that you can't control and I think that's also very frustrating like you almost want it to just be like oh, you just weren't even close to getting the lift, like you fail completely because then at least you can go, well, I just couldn't do it. The thing is I was doing it. I just didn't do it 100% and that was probably the frustrating thing for me. And then, you know, I spent the next few days feeling really sorry for myself Um, but I also just woke up on Sunday and had like I couldn't bend over. So I don't know what happened. My back was fucked and um, I had like nerve pain all the way down my left leg. And so I think <laughs> kind of just added <laughs> insult to injury where I was like, I couldn't even like just be like, all right, fucking back into the gym. Let's go. Like I'm ready to train. Yeah. You know, I ended up having to have like a whole bunch of treatment done and not have any training done at all this week. I think I back squat 25 kilos. Like that was it. So um, I was a little bit that I feel like it kind of dragged the negative feeling out like a longer than I would probably yeah. usually let it go on for. But I'm all good now. My back seems to be pretty fine now. But that's thanks to, you know, all the people at Felice needling me, Jordan fucking adjusting me, like everyone in my corner. Oh, man, I, I miss Felice and her needles. Mm cannot wait that chick for that chick to get her hands on me yet again when I get back but I was going to say to you like shoes on the other foot Mm. um you've obviously seen a lot of your clients go through this kind of thing and it's why in the space at the moment you know hard work pays off Mm. yeah it does but sometimes it doesn't (laughs) and sometimes you can be fully prepared um and like you said a couple of times there it wasn't we can be honest it wasn't the result that you deserved Mm. and so I personally struggled with what to say to you two when, like, uh, you know, I woke up and found out that this had happened. All I could think of was, like, that sucks. Mm. And it's hard to know what to say to someone or what even to say to yourself when, like, do you just get back on the horse or how do you deal with adversity both, like, in the competition but also when you're trying to regroup and trying to 
then go on? Um, listen, I think for me, I thrive on, I guess, that sense of always wanting to be better. So the failure, while you it stings at first, all I've thought about this entire week is going back to the gym and fucking like destroying those weaknesses that I feel like I have. So for me, it's like a motivational factor after the fact, you know, after you've processed your feelings and how you, you know, you know, feel about the not going the way that you want. It's a very motivating thing for me. And it's something that is a big part of, because I, I'm always striving to be, you know, the best that I can possibly be. And I want to, you know, be technically proficient and all of those things are very important to me. It's something that's very motivational to get me back into the gym. Um, I also don't like, I don't have an expectation of myself in that I am to be perfect all of the time and that my progress is going to look like more weight on the bar and I'm I'm always going to get stronger and I'm always going to get better. Like it doesn't always work like that. And I think with the perspective that I have that, you know, progress can be still failing a lift. Like I said, in that post, it's, I still fail both those 80 kilo snatches, but the difference between them, you know, are two very different people, you know, one person that didn't back herself, one person that didn't think she could do it. And then one person that did think she could do it absolutely went for it. And it was just, you know, a tiny little bit off and I just didn't nail it, you know? So as far as like, who I am and everything over the last 12 weeks while, you know, however long I've been training for this um, while it didn't pay off in kilos. I feel like it definitely did pay off in like my confidence and, you know, me backing myself and it's not what I want. It's not what's going to get me to nationals, (laughs) unfortunately, but um, it will eventually, I think that's the the main thing to remember. And do you, I guess in weightlifting, it's probably a little bit easier to stay in your own lane as opposed to a sport like CrossFit where you're actually directly competing with other people. Mm. But to get to that mindset, have you also had to be like, I know personally, it's like sometimes you can have these days where you're like, oh, okay, I can see my own lessons. But then you look over at the lane next to you and it seems like, you know, Sally over here is just like hitting PBs on the platform all the time and just like doing the same work where putting the same hours in the gym how do you fight that mentality like to not compare yourself to other people or to not feel like hard the hard work is paying off for other people but it's just not paying off for me um I think this comes back to being a coach and understanding that not everybody's life situations look the same you know not everybody is like the that girl that might be you know hitting pbs and doing whatever and she's absolutely crushing it she might work two days a week and live at home and not have to pay a mortgage and not have to pay, you know, you know, bills and, you know, have life stress or anything like that. Mum and dad might cook dinner for her, you know, might cook all her meals. She doesn't have to worry about those things. Me, I get up at 4am every morning, you know, my days are like 16 hours long. So for me to sit there and compare my life to hers or my outcomes to hers, it's not realistic. And that's what I will tell every single one of my clients is you cannot sit there and go, why aren't I as good as them? Or why have, you know, they gotten better and I haven't. And it's like, because you don't even know what their life looks like and their life might be harder than yours and they might just be fucking crushing it. You don't know, you know, Yeah. but at the end of the day, 
it, the situations and circumstances and who you are and who you've built yourself to be up until that point is different to that person. So you just can't even compare. You can't. There's no, there is no comparing. And I think sometimes as well, what you talk about lifestyle there is so important when you're judging your own performance too. Like I can only speak this last week, Luke and I have tried to get into the gym most days and do a bit of training, but then we go and hike for five hours and we're also sleeping in a camper van. So my training doesn't look the same as it would when I'm at home and I'm sleeping for nine mm-hmm. hours on a freaking comfortable yeah. bed, you know? And so this week, a couple of times I'm like, oh, that felt crap. Like I'm going backwards. Mm. Luke's like, no, just this week it's about getting into the gym, doing a bit and then getting out and enjoying a holiday. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what it's about. Um, and I think as well a lot of people might sometimes be going through a stressful time at home or even I know a lot of the clients at the gym here. Um, they've got teenage kids yeah. who if my mum was trying to train while I was 18, that pop she's not getting anything done, you know what I mean? Because there's so much external stress on her life. Um, I, yeah, sorry, mum, I was like a terrible teenager, but I feel like I'm making up for it now. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like you need to take that into your into consideration yeah. when you're thinking about your own performance. It's like, okay, what's going on in my life at the moment? And, you know, do I need to be a little bit easier on myself? Or I feel like it works in the opposite way. It's like some people need to up their game because life's pretty good right now. Let's get in and yeah, give it a good. If you if you if you have the ability to go harder, go harder. You know, I think that was something that like over the last my last training cycle, I really focused on making sure I was getting a minimum of seven hours sleep, and I think that was what made my like my weight stay very consistent. I think that aided in my recovery a hundred percent and my ability to come back into the gym and, you know, repeat heavy efforts and do all of that stuff. I like go, you know, I started going with Jordan and Tim once a week, we go and do like a sauna and then we do hot and cold therapy. Like, no, these things, you know, isolated on their own aren't the solution. That's not, you know, I'm not saying if you go and do hot and cold therapy, if you do a sauna once a week, that's going to solve all of your problems. But collectively, I tried to change some things in my life that were lagging as far as recovery is concerned. And I feel like those things all added up over that period of time and helped me feel really good. And, you know, like I said, it didn't necessarily pay off the way that I wanted it to, but there are, now that I've stepped away from it, I'm not feeling so bad about the competition. I can see the benefits and how it's changed my confidence and how I was able to like really overcome a lot of things that I just had been stuck on for a long time. So yeah. It's probably a really good time to to bring in our chat then with Alison yeah. Studs, who has been through some really similar stuff quite recently. Um, she's got a pretty impressive resume in the CrossFit space, despite the fact she's never actually qualified as an individual to the CrossFit Games, which I thought was mm. wild. Um, she's come so close so many times, and especially this season. So I sat down with Scuds uh, last week to chat about all things training and competing especially when things don't go to plan, like what's happened um, with you, Riz, this last Mm. week. I will apologise for the audio on this. Uh, It's not as good as our listeners will be used to (laughs) for you and I, but, you know, we're just new to this podcasting thing and we're working it all out, Um, but her insights were too good not to share.
selfishly, it's so lovely to catch up with you considering the last time we probably chatted properly was in China in 2019. And since then, I guess the world has changed completely. Yeah, uh, it has. Over some, we were chatting over some hot pot. I think about that all the time. <laughs> oh, and so many interesting things that we were chatting about as we got to know each other. So I'm so glad that we could get you on here to to, mm-hmm. to put it on the record, and so other people can yeah. enjoy uh, some of your experiences. But it's been a crazy couple mm-hmm. of weeks for you, especially going over to Canada, competing in the semifinals. Mm-hmm. Are you back home in Vegas now? Yeah, I just got back. Um, Last Tuesday, I, I took a couple of days in Montreal because my mom was able to come out and visit. And um, it was really her first time. She had been to like Toronto because we grew up in, I grew up in Ohio. And um, so like when she was younger, they took a couple like short trips. But uh, as an adult, she's never traveled outside the country. So it was like a big trip for her. And um, it only took her to uh, retirement to get to do that. So I'm really excited for this next chapter of her life. And we got to spend a couple extra days uh, exploring Montreal and we had such a good time. Have you had time since the event to kind of decompress? I guess it's the end of your season, probably not how you wanted it to end, but have you had time Mm -hmm. to reflect on what was the Atlas games and what was your 2022 season? It's definitely a work in progress. You know, it's not like something, you know, when you have such a big event like that or any event in your life, really, it's not just like fully processed um in one sitting or or even in a finite amount of time I think it's like you get lessons from every experience in life and some might be quicker learned than others while others might take longer to realize those uh lessons and takeaways and stuff like that but I've definitely had time to think about it and um think about what it means going forward to just for my career um but Overall, like like you said, it's it wasn't really the outcome you know I was hoping for, but I at the same time I I feel very um, proud of what I did, and I feel like I did everything in my power up to that point to bring the best athlete to that competition, and it sucks, but sometimes that's just not enough. And um, that's in a way for me, that's what keeps it exciting too, is, is the challenge of it. And that's through, you know, the many years that I've been doing this is one of the reasons why I love it is because it's a constant challenge and um, it's, is really, really difficult and hard sometimes, but I like that about it. And I think that's what keeps me coming back and motivated and excited to, okay, like, I thought I had it figured out, but I didn't. And so like, what can we do now? Like go back to the drawing board and, you know, I thought I was doing everything that I could, but like, was I, and, and really just diving deep into those and trying to figure out how to fill those, um, you know, areas of improvement that I need to work on. And competition is always great for that. You know, there's no, um, it's just, yeah, it's just there. You just show up and you got to do the work and it's, um, it can expose you in areas and it can really just, it's really real, you know, and you have to take all the lessons. There's so many lessons that you can take from that. Um, just not only from the physical training, but just the, how you're able to handle the stress and how your, um, you know, your nutrition preparation and your, taper going into the competition like there's so many aspects to that um 
that I feel like I've already been able to take away many um, lessons and hopefully can use those going forward. And some, some lessons, you know, I feel like I'm learning them again. It's like, oh yeah, I felt like I should have already learned that. And I think that can be a little bit frustrating because we feel, I feel like I shouldn't make the same mistake twice, but I think in real life, sometimes you do, you know, and, and each experience is going to present itself differently. And although the lessons might be very similar to like a certain experience I had in the past, it's just, it's always changing and it's always different. Absolutely. And I guess what's the ultimate goal <coughs> for you? Like, I think, I think you put up a post, was this your 10th regional sanctionals event? Um, what is, mm-hmm. is there an ultimate goal or is it about just enjoying this journey, learning these lessons and becoming a better athlete as you go? Yes. <laughs> yes to both. You know, there's, I think there's always an ultimate goal and for myself and I think many of the athletes out there is to uh, become, you know, fulfill that like max potential. And for me, I feel like I, I, you know, my goal is to make it to the CrossFit games and that because that's kind of like that top level of, you know, athleticism or whatever performance in our sport. And, um, but at the same time, like it's, I realized that that is not in my control and I kind of ultimately like I might not ever make it to the games um, but I love what I'm doing and I love the challenge of it and the journey of it and so yeah that is my goal but it's also just to like enjoy what I'm doing uh, learn lessons that can make me a better athlete but also a better person you know create relationships create um, an impact on others also and like inspire others to go after their dreams whether that's CrossFit related or completely non-related um, because I feel like I've always had that that drive in my life to have the courage to like go after whatever I want and I think that that can be really um, empowering for people and I would like to share that you know with people even if it's on a really small scale And so I think that's one of the ways I try to look at it is by not succeeding um, maybe as fast as others, I'm, you know, kind of showing that true, not true, um, the real, the realness of it, you know, because not everybody can make it to the games their first try or their second try, you know, it might take a lot of tries and maybe it takes a lot of tries and you still never do it. But if, you know, creating that goal that is, totally in your control you can have that sense of fulfillment and sure like there there will be disappointment and and things like that too but it's it's being able to be like okay like I did everything that's in my control and so I feel like I don't have any regrets with that and I'm doing what I love and so there's that that's really all all I can do I love how you talk about things that are in your control with CrossFit and especially at live events. There are so many things outside of your control. Mm -hmm. Um, In your post kind of debriefing the event, you Mm -hmm. talked about a few bad calls by Mm -hmm. judges and that's been criticized at a lot of events this year. How do you Mm -hmm. deal with that stuff both in the moment and then when you're Mm -hmm. debriefing for yourself, you know, sometimes a bad call by a judge, especially in the legless rope climb event, for example, can have such a major impact on your whole weekend and also your season. Yeah, it's really difficult. I think that when, when you're on the, when you're in the competition floor, there's, there's always the chance of that happening. And I, so I think you just have to have this acceptance of like, no matter what happens, you have to just keep taking a step forward. Um, and you have to be so focused in on that when you're on the competition floor, because 
even a two seconds of wasted energy into you know like being frustrated or talking back to your judge or fighting it or something like that it's just like there's no point like you're not gonna like convince them otherwise and um so definitely when you're on the field of play like you just have to have that uh like i there's a book that i've read um and they kind of coined the term uh ultra realist so you have to be able to quickly accept your reality as fast as possible and just be so dialed in on that but it's like okay what what do i do next you know what do i do next okay you, as the no rep okay gotta do another rep okay that's this what's wrong like and sometimes you do have to ask those clarifying questions so you know like hopefully you don't make the mistake again and you can correct what they're looking for but you just have to have that radical acceptance and just keep moving forward and um I had a kind of a similar, I feel like this year, like throughout my whole career, I've had very, very few judging calls. And then this season specifically, I just felt like they all came, <laughs> came like pouring down on me. Um, so I actually competed with a team at Wadapalooza and they had an event that they changed last minute because of like weather stuff. And there was a part where you had to do a sandbag carry over the line. and I. I, it was a really, really fast event, kind of similar to the uh, Legos rope climb event, where it's like, if you make one small mistake, you're pretty much completely done. So I was carrying the sandbag over the line. The judge said that I wasn't over the line um, when I dropped the bag, apparently. And it, it, it was just like, okay, what, what do you want me to do? And she was like, pick it up and, and move it over here. So I picked it up, moved it over there, dropped it. She was like, no, 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 pick it up put it here so I picked it up moved it over there dropped it looked at her she's like no pick I literally had to pick it up three extra times and I'm just like okay 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 like what's next what's next what's next because like in my head I'd be like you pick it up (laughs) yeah for sure and it's just it sucks because I knew like the event's pretty much over at that point but you just have to keep like you never know what it's going to happen to anybody else either and so you just have to keep like putting that foot in front of the other and same thing with the Lego rope climb event um you know i got uh it was kind of similar situation they uh briefed us one way in the morning brief and they said that you had to touch the beam and then bring your hand back to the rope before you used your legs to descend and then everybody since we were the last week of semifinals to go and all the other ones had done the same event we were like hang on Nobody else was doing that standard. Um, are you changing it? Like, are you really going to enforce this? And um, it was kind of this mass confusion, which nobody really got totally resolved. Like, I had peop- uh, some of the event staff tell me, like, look, our judges aren't trying to, like, you know, rep you for something like that. Like, don't worry about it. Just, like, make sure you touch good and then drop. And then... <clears throat> kind of watching the other heats it looked like that was what they were doing and then we got corralled and right before our event the crossfit liaison actually came over and said to us specifically touch the beam and then whatever happens after that it doesn't matter like just touch the beam and then with any part of your hand and then you can drop however you want using your legs you don't have to bring your hand back and so that is how i had practiced it and that's how i did the workout and um you know i have i have videos of all of my reps and they look pretty much exactly the same every rep and so for whatever reason on one of the reps she didn't like how it looked 
I got a no rep for uh, grabbing the rope with my legs too soon, um, I, I think is what she said. And then, you know, like I said, your, your event's pretty much over at that point. And um, because not only do you have to do more work, but now your tempo's thrown off and it's very, very costly. At that point, you just, it's like, okay, well, I got to rest as long as I need to. And then I'm going to do it again and try to make it like more obvious. Um, even though I knew that the way that I had done it was the way that they told us we could do it in the briefing. And then I got a couple reps later, I got another no rep for, um, she couldn't see that I touched the beam, but I had touched it on the other side, which was allowed with like the tip of my finger. And at that point, it's just like, uh, okay, like we do another one then, you know, and you just have to keep working. And that one was pretty frustrating too, because like, you know, you can feel the touch on your hand um, at the top. And so, yeah, it was, it was just a bummer, especially to like, um, have it be an event that I was really excited for and was hoping, to, you know, I kind of knew that uh, a game spot was out of the question, but I was hoping maybe that I could jump up to last chance qualifier and more than anything, just end it on a note where I just felt really proud and like I left it all out there. And I do feel like I left it all out there, but it was tough to have to do, you know, 20% more work. And then afterwards, um, I, uh, what's it called? Like, where you um, appealed, appealed. Yes, yeah. yeah, so I appealed the, um, the judging or the, yeah, the judging error. And I actually won the appeal, uh, which was at least validating for like myself, like, okay, I know that I was wronged essentially. And, um, but unfortunately there, they only gave me back 11 seconds. <laughs> so it was kind of like, I don't know where that 11 seconds came from, but, and at that point it's, it's over the weekend's over. Like this was like the next day and it's just kind of like, uh, okay. And it's <laughs> at that point you just have to. Yeah, it's a blessing yeah. and a curse as well that everything's on video and you can see it. And like you said, right. validation that you were wronged, but also right. like how many times you watch that video back and think, oh, what could have been? Like I was doing the reps. And right, right. For any, anyone listening who um, hasn't followed the semifinals, like this event was kind of a <clears throat> break for so many people only because, mm -hmm. you know, one rep is so taxing, so taxing. Yeah, and it's and so short and, and the, the scores are very close too, like so. And so by adding two extra reps to that, like you're obviously adding the compounding fatigue and the, the time under tension and the rhythm of, you know, like how fast you can do 10 reps is a lot different than how fast you can do 12 reps and, and things like that. But I think ultimately after the fact, it's just like, yep, it sucks that that happens, but you just kind of have to move on and um, stuff like that happens that's just like you know, maybe I could have like made the reps like extremely obvious and like my legs, like nowhere even close to the rope, but it's like that I was following the rules and like, just because I wasn't, you know, so I don't know. Sometimes there's not anything that you can take away from it besides like, yep, that sucked and just got to move on from it. And um, hopefully just can avoid those errors in the future, but it's, there's always going to be stuff like that that happens and just trying to be make the best of whatever situation comes up because that's really all I can do. And I guess you do debrief that with Justin and the other guys in the underdog athletics crew. Like, is it good having other athletes who are going through the same experiences to be like, Hey, and sometimes just to debrief and be like, yeah, that sucks. And for someone to be like, yeah. let's move on. 
Um, yeah. Is that something that you guys, well, that you enjoy having other athletes to train with and a coach like Justin Kotler? Yeah, for sure. I think, I mean, there's many benefits to our training environment and, and having Justin as my coach. And I think in the moment, like when, when that, that specifically was happening, like, I guess it's validating in a way because like, yeah, you are frustrated, but like I said, I tried to really, I don't know, just stay focused on what I can control and, and really like accepting that reality of of what's going on and um but I think in a way too like it does feel good to be like no that was like a bullshit call you know and it doesn't change the result and you know it's hopefully you know there can be some sort of like constructive criticism going forward um if enough athletes speak up about it like I plan on you know just kind of telling CrossFit like what happened and with no you know no real emotion of like oh I'm I'm expecting a different outcome or something but just like hey this is like what happened and this was my experience as like my biggest event of the year and it was kind of a bummer to like have it ended like that on something like this and I know that they they don't have everything in their control and it's never going to be perfect and and all that stuff but hopefully um we can continue to make strides um to making it a better experience for the athletes and, and a fair a fair experience as well. And I think the good thing is CrossFit is starting, well, not starting to realise, but they do realise this is your job, this is your profession, mm-hmm. um, and you can't take yeah. things lightly. And th- there is that mm-hmm. question of whether judges should be paid and professional, and I think mm-hmm. it's good that that conversation is happening to yeah. avoid situations like this. For sure, and I think that every, you know, not every no rep is, created equal either right like you know okay somebody miscounts something or they they didn't think you were quite below parallel on a squat or something like sure you can be you know extra stringent on that and I'm all for everybody following the standards and holding that to a high level but something like a legless rope climb that's like a complete judgment call on something that is not helping with the rep even it's just like it just there should be certain levels of like no reps almost you know and it's like you should really only call something that's on a rep that's that taxing and and valuable in the workout like if it's like yep they definitely like did something very bad um so yeah there's there can definitely be a lot of improvement there and um hopefully that will continue to see that as the sport grows but you know there's even in the most um the sports that have been around the longest and the most professional sports there's always there's still mistakes um and human error and things like that so it's just part of it <laughs> going back to justin kotler first season yep. with the underdog athletics crew what prompted the move and to train with that training camp this year i think it was just kind of like a right time and place um last year or two years ago i was um living in california and basically training alone in my garage because the the gyms were closed and my boyfriend Raf he was um had injured his wrist and so like it was it was pretty like tough like training all alone in my garage um definitely like I'd like that environment with other people and having fun that's a big aspect of it for me too and um, I do my best in those types of environments and so I came out to Vegas um last year or last season and visited Bethany and with just just the intentions to come out and just switch it up switch up my scenery 
And after one day of being here and just seeing that environment and getting to train with her and, and Carrie, it was just like, yes, like, this is awesome. Like, I need to live here. <laughs> and um, also getting the experience with having Justin um, there pretty much every day um, was awesome. And so I was like, yeah, I need to do this um, when the time is right this season. And um, yeah, so just was looking for a better, more competitive training environment and um, getting some more eyes on me on more of a consistent basis in person with the coaching. And um, yeah, that's what prompted it. You talk about timing and experience and everything. Living in California, though, last year allowed you to be part of the demo team at the 2021 CrossFit Games. That is so cool. What prompted that experience or that opportunity to spring up? Um, It it was probably a lot of factors that, that led to that, you know, as, as most things in life. Um, so back in 2017, I was a part of the demo team that year. Um, they usually pick people who were pretty close to making it to the games. Um, and so that year I had got seventh at regionals and for whatever reason, uh, Dave selected me to be on the demo team, had a great time. And then, um, yeah, living out in California during COVID, um, I got asked, the first time I got um I worked for them was I think for they were doing uh we did some like games testing for the um actually it was uh I'm trying like my timeline's getting all mixed up but the first thing was um they they did like a if you remember when when the shutdowns all first happened they did like a I don't even remember what they called it but it was like a mini open kind of that you could do like inside your house and so they had me come and demo for those videos and and film for that and then we got asked to do the um some testing for the 2020 games because that was when they only had like the top five um so we we did some of that testing and um then was kind of just like nearby Dave and so anytime you needed some sort of testing or demoing like I was I was just kind of right there and it happened that after semis last year, um, when I didn't make it, like two days later, I got invited over to the ranch to start testing for the games and was pretty much there like on and off until the games straight for like a month and a half or two months, however long it was. And um, and then because of that, got selected to be the demo team captain. Getting to like excel at that stuff and, and get to be a part of like creating the test was definitely such an honor and like super grateful for that experience and getting that experience like to be out on the Coliseum floor and um, it, was, it was it was great you talk about the highest skill stuff and it's no surprise like sometimes I love following you on Instagram and you're just like repping out muscle-ups like they're nothing but I guess coming from a cheerleading background that's yeah. where your forte lies or how you got into CrossFit but how did you make that transition from being a professional cheerleader to mm-hmm. becoming a CrossFit athlete? Yeah, I think that the biggest um, advantage I guess I had coming in from that type of background is just the body awareness and ability to like learn new skills. And um, there's in competitive cheerleading, there's not a ton of upper body strength. And so I think that was something that I def- definitely had to develop. Like I didn't just have muscle ups. Um, it took me a few years to get those. and. Um, you know, I was always able to like handstand walk. So that was like maybe one of the skills that I had like coming in. But other than that, like there was definitely a lot of 
strength development that had to happen in order to put those skill pieces together. But then I just, I find that I can pick things up and, and make improvements on things um, really fast because um, I know how to kind of move my body in space and I know how to watch a video and make a correction or take a coaching cue and make a correction. Um, and yeah, I got into CrossFit because I was, I was, yeah, at the end of my cheerleading career was kind of like, felt like I had accomplished what I wanted to in that and then was just working out to kind of stay in shape, but I really missed that competitive aspect of training for something and, and trying to push myself for a goal and towards like the best athlete I could be. Is it hard when you come from that competitive background? I know a lot of professional athletes, um, when they come into CrossFit, they're used to training hard, but often um, there's that battle, especially for women with overtraining and underfueling when you make that transition mm-hmm. to CrossFit. Uh, is that mm-hmm. ever something that you've struggled with? I think luckily I've, I've always had a really, a pretty good like relationship with food. And I think that um if anything, when I was in cheerleading, it was a little bit less healthy because I was a flyer. And especially like once I was, um, you know, getting older too, like 18 and 19 years old, my last couple of years, I was like, you know, becoming a woman essentially. And, and the flyers have to be like smaller. And so like, I was definitely on the bigger side of the, of the flyers. And so for that short amount of time, I just remember feeling like, oh, like I need to lose weight and like I want to be smaller and stuff like that. Um, but I think up until that point, um, I had had a pretty good relationship with food. Like I don't really remember, you know, overly stressing about food or, or diet or anything. I was always an athlete and, you know, in shape and whatnot. Um, and then, yeah, going to CrossFit, I, I just felt like I quickly picked up the notion that like food is fuel and so it was like it was never like and I I I feel like I've always had pretty good like self-confidence also and of course there's you know I don't like there's there are some things that I'm like you know struggle with still but I think I feel pretty grateful to have you know that confidence and and have been able to view food as fuel and um, so I think that's fit in really nicely with CrossFit because it really is like you are fueling your body to like perform at its highest level and I think maybe being being an athlete my whole life I've been able to like view my body as like not just something that's looked at or that is you know pretty or whatever like it's a machine kind of and I'm I have to like make sure that it's able to like I've had a lot of goals and pride and like the things that my body can do versus just like only how it looks you know and of course I think everybody is aware of like how their body looks and they want to they have a certain idea of like what that they want that to look like but I think having a higher priority of like okay but my I want to get my squat up and I want to be able to run a certain I want to feel a certain way and and that empowerment so I think that is something that has really guided me to have that healthy relationship um, and just really focusing on the, the performance side. To, to boost your performance earlier on in your uh, CrossFit mm-hmm. career, I know hormonal birth control was something that you looked at and coming mm-hmm. off that to work out yeah. what your cycle was doing. Can you talk me through that journey? Yeah, for sure. I think that was kind of like the midst of me really 
trying to figure out everything I could do to optimize my performance. You know, up until that point, I had been training hard and, you know, eating more or less what I needed to do. But I was like, okay, I, w- I really want to take my performance to the next level. And so I need to examine like all these aspects of my life and, and figure out like, how can I maximize my sleep? How can I maximize my nutrition? How can I maximize my training, uh, my recovery, all of that stuff. And so um, taking that microscope under all aspects of my life. And I realized that I was, I had, um, I had been on the pill since I, I think I was like 14 or 15 um, for heavy periods. And that's kind of like all I knew it was like when I started my period, I had really heavy periods. And so I went on birth control. So they weren't so heavy. And the craziest <laughs> and, thing is at that point, I was exactly the same. Like you go to your yeah. general practitioner and it was like, yeah, mm-hmm. just go on the pill. And yeah. now we're looking at it being like, why did I do that? Right. And yeah. you blindly follow. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I didn't know any better, obviously, as a child, and and my mom didn't know any better, better either, because like she she also you know like was raised in the same society, and like there wasn't that much education, I guess, available um, on that on that topic, and uh, then it was like from then on, it was just something that I did, you know, like that was just something that I did, and um, I think when I was my first year in college when I was like around 19 or 20, I got the IUD and it was mostly just for ease. I was like, I don't have to worry about, you know, taking the pill and, and it's supposedly, you know, my thoughts at the time were like, Oh, it's less hormones because it's localized. Um, so that's better, you know, which uh, that's not necessarily true, but that was just kind of like the reason why I switched over to it. And then you don't have to think about it. And so I had gotten my first IUD and I immediately got terrible acne, like really, really, really bad. And I had never really suffered from acne like as a teenager before. And I knew that it was from the IUD, but I remember like talking to my, my doctor and being like, Hey, like, like, what do you think about this? This is like, obviously from the IUD, right? She's like, Oh no, like it's, it couldn't be from the IUD. Like there's, there's no way. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And the acne just like didn't get better, ended up going to a dermatologist, trying everything, and then finally like going on Accutane. Um, so it was like Band-Aid on top of Band-Aid on yeah. top of Band-Aid. And, you know, after two cycles of Accutane, my, my skin had cleared up pretty well. Um, and then I got to, you know, fast forward to like uh, five years when you have to get like a new IUD and this was like at a point I was like graduated college I had been taking CrossFit pretty seriously I think this was like 2018 uh, was when I got my second one and I had already kind of started to hear about like learning about how my body even worked like as a 22 or 23 year old I didn't even understand how you know a normal cycle works I didn't understand that you couldn't get pregnant any day of the month and I didn't understand like anything about anything <laughs> in that regard and so I had kind of like started learning about that and being curious and you know again it, it came at a point where I was like already turning over all these other stones so I got the new IUD and I don't know whether it was because of the you know when you get a new new IUD it's like a little bit stronger um, than at the end of the IUD or whether it was just totally psychological because I had already started going down this wormhole but I started getting terrible 
like anxiety and depression I, I remember like I would just cry every day and I didn't know why just like everything felt like like a huge deal and and I'm I've never like had experienced that in my life and I was like oh my gosh like I, something is wrong with me <laughs> and um so that was kind of like the final straw of like just see what happens like maybe I feel the you know the stress of like worrying about because obviously I would be avoiding pregnancy um as an athlete but maybe the stress of like trying to avoid pregnancy um while not on hormonal birth control would be too much and I would change my mind and like I could always go back right but I, was, I felt like I got to this point where I was like I just have to try it and so I was like okay I know there's these non there's these ways of avoiding pregnancy that um are not like no hormones involved and so I started learning about that read a few books on just like how your cycle works and um worked with my nutrition coach as well because since I had been on hormones for at that point almost 10 years I was like I might need help getting my cycle back um so I just I got it out <laughs> and um it feels like at this point um and I kind of tell people who ask me about this like I, I don't think that like birth hormonal birth control is like bad necessarily and there, I think there's a lot of people who's like it's just easier for them to to do that that uh, you have to just weigh in all the pros and cons and it's like it's not good and it's not bad but you have to you have to be educated on like what are the risks and what am I potentially um giving up essentially um to to have this these hormones and so for me like I said I was at a point where I was like I want to try to unturn every stone and even though there's not a lot of research out there saying that hormonal birth control affects performance I was just kind of like how could it not affect even if it's like a very very small percentage so for me that was like enough plus the side effects of the acne and the anxiety I was just like let's just let's just do it and so um yeah but ever since then I've been uh, tracking my cycle I was really lucky to have really regular uh, consistent cycles almost immediately I think that was with just being able to be um, as fueled as I was working with my nutrition coach. I did a little bit of supplementation at first. And, um, and then recently this season, I had just very minor um, side effects. I was having like mid-cycle um, bleeding. And so I was working with another hormone specialist and it, it and ultimately came back to like supplementation again. But preface that with like everybody's experience is totally different and what I needed might be different than somebody else but um just being able to you know like your your cycle is really like your health report card your monthly health report card and it's like if your cycle is good like you can pretty much assume like your health is in a pretty good spot and I think as an athlete there are certain things that you know health and performance don't always overlap but the more that you can be healthier, the more your performance is going to be able to thrive because it's ultimately about like stress, right? And with training, we're putting so much stress on our body. So if our body is already at a low health or a stressed state, it's not going to give us the ability to flourish essentially and, and get to that next level of performance. Um, and I don't know about you, when I got my IUD taken out, I was just like, I'm trying to pinpoint and, you know, get all the, the one percenters working and, you know, everything mm -hmm. that I put yeah. in my body, I know what I put in my body. And I was kind of almost embarrassed that for so long, I just 
have this thing in my body and like set and forget. And for me, oh, yeah, for sure. again, contraception was a big thing, but getting it out and mm-hmm. learning. And I've just started tracking my BBT as well. It's mm-hmm. like a whole new world. Um, yeah. And I don't know if you've heard of Dr. Stacey Sims, but she's big on yeah. the um, tracking your cycle around your training. Is that something that you mm-hmm. do now in terms of where you're at in your cycle, tailoring, tailoring your training and talking with your coach about, hey, I'm in this phase of my cycle or this phase or mm-hmm. this week. Does that change how you train at all? It does. And it's something new that I've been incorporating um, just within the past few months even. Um, and I will say like the, the research is, kind of like inconclusive right now it's not like a blanket advice for everyone um some women experience certain parts of their cycle better or worse performance and some don't really notice a difference but that's why it's important to track your cycle and be kind of you like be aware of what's going on in your body so you can be like okay like I'm seeing this pattern now so like this might be something so for me because I've been tracking for a while, I was noticing that like right before I would start my period, um, which is your late luteal phase, I was like extra tired, extra like grumpy, extra like, I would, I feel like I would always feel something like a, not an injury, but like, oh, my back has been like hurting really bad or like, oh, I teased my neck or something like that right around that time. And so, like I said, the last couple months before um, semifinals I started to sync up my deload week with my uh, the last week of my cycle into the start of my cycle um, and I think that that worked out pretty well I mean I was pretty much doing three weeks on one week deload anyways and so it just kind of matched up super nicely um, with my cycle and it, that'll be something that I'll get to do in depth a little bit more um, this season as well And again, it's one of those very like small things and listening to your body, I think is the most important part. Um, But if you can see those patterns, like why wouldn't you, you know, take advantage of that and just be like, okay, like if I take one step back this week, I'll be able to take two steps forward next week instead of that, like one step forward every week, whereas like that starts to turn into one step back every week. How do you go about tracking your cycle? I know some people are just like, I mark mm-hmm. the dates that I have my period and then expect yeah. in like 28 days that's coming again. But do you go mm-hmm. any further in terms of tra- tracking your temperature or your mucus or how does it work? Yeah, I do. I do temperature. Um, so I do BBT, uh, which is tracking your temperature in the mornings. Um, I actually use the DAISY, D-A-Y-S-Y. And um, it is a predictive um, device basically it's just like a smart thermometer so like you ju- I just put it under my tongue when I wake up and then it tracks it for me and I don't have to like keep track of it um you know manually or anything there can definitely be some like error in there so I know like for, for myself I'm just like extra super extra cautious about that and take kind of take it with a grain of salt but it has been nice to have like my cycle super consistently so that makes it easier um so for if anybody listening doesn't know like really um what we're talking about your fertile window is when you ovulate plus like 24 hours um but then like sperm can stay alive inside for five to seven days so it's really like the five to seven days leading up to your ovulation plus a day so and then your temperature your bbt spikes when once you've ovulated so it is a little bit tricky because 
your, your temperature doesn't give you a day like five days before you ovulate. It's only once you've ovulated and at that point it could be like too late. So there, there's just different levels of, you know, caution that you can take, I guess, with other um, protection methods. And, um, but yeah, I think just learning about that for me was just like so empowering and just being like, I feel like I understand this and I can do this and I can take control of my body and I can, once you're educated on that, like it takes listening to your body to a whole other level because you're like, you know what you're looking for in a sense too. And so I strongly recommend for any woman um, to like, just educate yourself on, on how your body works. And for me, it was, it was such an amazing experience and I just feel like empowered, like I said. I do want to let you go, but also I want to touch mm-hmm. on how on earth did it come about that you started designing your own clothing line amongst training to go to the games? I know that's, well, people who are listening, if they don't know much about CrossFit, it's a full-time mm-hmm. job to train, let alone mm-hmm. start your own clothing line. So how did that come about? <laughs> yeah, so I um, I started working with the company Born Primitive and they're um, an apparel company in the CrossFit space and fitness space, I guess. And when I um, was signing with them to be like one of their sponsored athletes and just throughout my life, like I've always loved like fashion and, and two outfits and um, also being in cheerleading, like that's a big part of that also. And so I always felt like that's a part of my identity. So I was like, Hey, it would be really cool if we um, like, if I was able to design some pieces with you guys and um, they agreed to it. And so my, uh, back in 2019 yeah 2019 um I designed a few items and they were super popular and it was so like I found I I knew that it was something that I was interested in and like would be fun but I didn't realize like how fulfilling it would be at, you know getting to see you know that like it, I tried to make it more than just pieces too and like being able to, you know, I strongly believe in like, look good, feel good, perform good. And so like being able to create kind of like that message behind the items too, like you can look really sexy and like confident and perform at your best. And so like, I think that that just like really excites me and getting to share that with other people, you know, around the world is so awesome and getting to see them wearing my pieces and being like, Oh, I felt so strong today. And like, that, that has been like such a fulfilling part that I, I wasn't really expecting, um, but has been so cool about it. And so we've, we've continued to create a few other things along uh, across the years and it's just been so fun. And I guess that's what's cool about a lot of athletes like yourself. You talk about that goal of making it to the CrossFit Games, but then other goals come up along the way mm-hmm. um, yeah. and something that you never thought would be an aspiration of yours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of a sudden becomes this whole other career that you've got even after your athletic career kind of comes to an end. For sure, that's what I that's what I hope for, and I think you know right now I'm super lucky to be uh, working with Born Primitive, and they've been amazing, like helping it really come into a reality. You know, like I I feel like I get to do like all the fun stuff, just like designing the pieces and doing the you know like. R&D like hey like change this this doesn't fit right like pick these colors and and then they've really let me like take a big role in like the the branding of the lines too like what they mean and like doing photo shoots and and 
kind of the marketing behind it as well. If anyone listening wants to find your pieces or, or learn mm-hmm. more about your CrossFit journey, I'm guessing is the best place to, to get in contact or follow you along is through Instagram? Yeah, Instagram is probably like the best, the one-stop shop and I'm a scuds on there. And um, I have all my links for my clothing lines in my bio. And obviously you can keep up with, you know, what I'm training, traveling, cats, uh, fashion, all that stuff there. And I love to hear from people in my DMs. I try to answer every DM or comment that I get. And so feel free to um, just send me a message and uh, yeah, we can connect there. It's pretty cool to hear all that stuff from Scuds that even though she's competing on a completely different level to you and I, Riz, that she still kind of goes through all the same stuff and is still trying to dial in all of those one percenters. And it's even someone who's new to the gym, who's like just getting used to this whole thing. It's like, you know, sleeping more, tracking your cycle, working out what's happening with your nutrition it's really important, especially as women, as we train. And I think um, we'll definitely talk about that in a later episode. So all that stuff Scuds was talking about with birth control and nutrition, uh, because they're things that we've definitely looked at. Um, And I love as well how she talks about being a born primitive athlete. And that wasn't necessarily like being a fashion designer for activewear wasn't something that she set out to do, but it was a goal that just kind of, you know, came up along the way. And Riz, you two are linked with Born Primitive. I'm guessing like you didn't set out to get into weightlifting and you're like, I want to work with Born Primitive or I want to work with brands. How did that come about for you? Um, I I have, I mean, over, you know, the course of the last 10 years, you, you do have people that will come up to you. They'll see, you know, if you've got some sort of following or some sort of outreach, you do get like brands that will contact you and say, you know, we want to work with you or we'll give you some free stuff or whatever. But I have been wearing Born. Slide into your DMs. Mm, mm. <laughs> I've actually been wearing Born Primitive for a really long time and um, they reached out to me and I took that opportunity because, one, I wear all of their stuff and I absolutely love it. Um, and they have a really good presence and a really good reputation within, you know, the training community. So I, you know, took the opportunity to work with them because it's also another avenue of income, um, which uh, when you're trying to be an athlete or, you know, you're trying to be competitive and it's hard to pair that with working, you know, extreme hours or a full-time job, having that ability to work with a brand and or a company that you like love and you like really admire having the opportunity to work with um, makes makes a really big difference if you can earn some sort of income from that as well. And the fact that they support athletes and they support, you know, up and coming athletes as well. Um, that's really cool. I think that's really awesome. And that's the thing as well. You, you want to have the ideal is just getting paid to train, mm. right? Um, but that's not realistic for 99% of people but the good thing is about social media it now puts you out there and so um you don't even have to like scuds she's never been to the games and yet see she has such a profile on social media Mm. that she's made an income out of it so I think like there's so many people out there who are able to do that and so many brands that are now seeing opportunities for uh yeah to work with athletes and actually support athletes and I think it's important as well um 
I mean, not to the extent of you guys, but um, when I was yoga teaching, it was great that brands wanted to partner mm. with you. But I've said this before, like yoga tights don't put food on the no. table. And so, you know, when I started doing it, people were like, oh my goodness, you have so many free clothes and so many. So I think it's important to be smart as an athlete as mm. well. And yeah, while it might be enticing to get free protein when you first start <laughs> out, it's like, you know, yeah. it's, you need to be smarter about it. And I think, again, we'll probably talk about this in a later episode, but coming from a, um, a news and a media background mm. I can kind of see avenues for athletes to use that there's so many successful athletes. Like, I mean, we were talking about one of your friends earlier who is such a brilliant athlete, but they're too busy training to invest in social Mm. media. Um, But there are avenues for athletes to put themselves out there. And I think you've got to kind of find the line of this is my job and I have to make a living. Um, but also then whoring, your out, whoring yourself out for pre, free protein. Like we don't want well, to do that's Well, that. <laughs> that's it, right. Like I think, like I said, I'd had other companies and I'd been like, no, nah, I'm not, uh, I'm like, I'm not interested. I don't want to do it because it wasn't something that vibed with who I was and what I'm about. And I think um, just, you know, as long as, as long as you're staying true to yourself and it's something that you believe in, then, you know, for sure. But if you're punching out codes left, right and center, it's going to get old pretty quickly and, you know, eventually they're not going to be paying off the way that you want them to. So, Luke, my husband and I always laugh about this. You see codes everywhere. Then when you're like, hey, I want to go and buy that thing, you can't find the codes anywhere. It's like you troll through Instagram and you're like, I swear this person put up a post. I swear this person put up a post. And then you end up paying, you know, full price and nine ninety nine for shipping. I know. Like, the codes when I need I them? I know. <laughs> There should be just like one page where you can go and get all of the codes and then be like, okay, see you. Oh. Well, maybe we could make that a, a little pop discount code yeah. page or something. Maybe down the track. We'll see. Who knows? Um, we should probably wrap it up yep. there. Uh, no time for gym fails this week, but it gives more people time to to hit us up with their gym fails for next oh, week, um, maybe? It, listen, I – Really would just, I'm so excited about these gym fails that I cannot wait to hear the stories that people send in. So please uh, reach out, send us your stories. And the best way to do that is probably uh, slide into our DMs on Instagram at points of performance podcast. Do all the fun things like subscribe, give us a review. We're on Spotify and Apple and yay, we worked it out. (laughs) Internets are hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'd love your feedback and we'd love for you to get involved. So send us your gym fails. Also let us know things that you want us to chat about. And until next time, I promise I'll be back home in America and it won't be like this traveling band circus type thing. This is just a one-off. I feel like you're nailing it though. You're doing a very good job. <laughs> We're trying yeah. our best. So signing off from Canada, I will see you or speak to you. Bye, guys. Bye.